So we're going to Brazil, and it got me thinking. You remember when Checo Perez was very incremental in helping Max win the 2021 Drivers' Championship, and so Max repaid him the very next year by ignoring team orders completely altogether when they said, Max, let Checo through, please. Sergio was the epitome of the Minister of Defense 2021 Abu Dhabi, arguably handed Max the 2021 championship, regardless of what you want to say, how that race ended. But yeah, they go to Brazil the next year and Max is like, don't ask me to do this. I will not let him through. I have my reasons. <laughs> Welcome to Turn One. A Formula One podcast. and Jeremiah. Welcome to Turn One, a Formula One podcast. We're your hosts, Thomas. And Jeremiah. Today, we are previewing the Sao Paulo Grand Prix. And let me make sure I say that right. As we've gone back and forth between the Brazilian Grand Prix and the Sao Paulo Grand Prix. We were talking about this before the we started recording, but I feel like a lot of the names of these Grand Prix are changing because it used to be the Brazilian Grand Prix. It used to be the Mexican Grand Prix, and now it's the Mexico City Grand Prix, the Sao Paulo Grand Prix. I'm getting confused, but you know what? We're going to Interlagos, and that's all that matters. One of the best tracks on the F1 grid in terms of elevation, in terms of excitement. Speed is definitely a factor at Interlagos. So we're going to get through all of that and much more today. Jeremiah, where do you want to start? Uh, I want to go start off by talking about the actual track itself. The Autodromo Jose Carlos Pase, or Pace, or whatever his last name is. I'm sorry, dude. Um, we're looking at 2.677 miles, or for our European fans, 4.309 kilometers. This track is pretty sweet. I love the fact that it goes with the hills and everything. So you actually get to watch it go up and down and up and down. So they're climbing, they're descending constantly throughout this entire thing. We're looking at 15 turns with my favorite part of this turn being the, when you leave turn 12, the exit of turn 12 is pretty much just flat out all the way to turn one. It climbs up and then it kind of levels out on its uh, elevation all the way into turn one where you immediately start to descend again. I love it. If if you have a chance, I would encourage you to go Google like an elevation or a topographical map of the track. Reason being, the, the Sinek-Est uh, curve, which we'll get to in a minute, from there all the way down to turn four and five, the drivers are descending rapidly, all while going really fast. Then from five to nine or 10, they're increasing in elevation. Then from 10 to 12, diving back down. And then 12 all the way back up to turn one, gaining in elevation again. It's like a roller coaster. It really is. It's like you were to go to your theme park, wherever you are. For us, it's Six Flags. And you're getting on the biggest roller coaster there. And it has its climb at the very beginning. The and then you just start descending and go through this wild ride of a track. I love it. 
Okay, bring us through some of those signature turns that they've got. So you touched on this already. Turns one and two are known as the Senna S curves, which, you know, named after Ayrton Senna himself, one of the best Brazilians to ever come out on an F1 circuit. Uh, as far as the other known, they all pretty much have names. I'm not going to get into that because that is a lot of different names. But like I said, flat out through the exit of turns 12, 13, all the way into, into turn one. That's the one of the longest full throttle sections on the entire F1 calendar. We talk a lot about the straight at Baku and the straight at Mexico City. But Interlagos is unique in that, again, it's a top five in terms of flat out. But it's not straight, hardly anywhere. Arguably, there's a there's a section between 15 and 1 that's straight, and there's a section between 3 and 4 that's straight, but they're not super long compared to some of those other straights. But going from turns 13, like Jared mentioned, all the way back up to turn 1, it's really long and curvy and flat out. <laughs> yeah. One of my favorite sections also definitely has to be this whole wild mess of turns between turns 8 all the way to 11 as it just kind of whips you to the right. And then you do this long curve back to the left. Then the, sh then the hairpin at turn 10, as you go into turn 11 and it gets nice and wide out as you do this long left to into turn 12, it's this, it's kind of like, it's kind of like if you were to take maggots and Beckett's at Silverstone and just stretch it out as much as you could. So the track doubles back on itself four or five times, depending on how you want to count it. But what I found more fascinating, so we always go back through and we look at the kind of history of these tracks, because the tracks that we see today, especially from these historic tracks that have been around for 60, 70 years, they've changed so many times, right? The original layout of Interlagos, it doubled back on itself a dozen times, two dozen times. It just kept <laughs> constantly looping back into itself and then looping back into itself. And so every time you loop back into yourself, you get more and more compact. And I just think there's no way that the cars of today could be making those kind of maneuvers like they were back then. And that's why they've kind of stretched it out a little bit. Yeah, you got to think about the size of the cars back then to the size of the cars now. Huge difference. Okay, you want to go on fastest lap? Yeah, we'll talk about Mr. Valtteri Bottas in the Mercedes in 2018 Brazilian Grand Prix. He hits a 1 minute 10.540, which... As always, we're going to give you the Porsche Carrera Cup for comparison. That's a 1 minute 34.854. So here again, we've got another 24-25 second gap. Again, with how many turns and how compact this track is, the fact that they're still able to get 25 seconds on your average car just blows my mind. I mean, we say this in every single episode almost, but it's still just amazing. I'm surprised that it's only like a 24 second gap or so, because we've always found the differentiator between the F1 cars and like the supercars, right? That kind of division, which is Porsche Carrera Cup is, is that the faster a track runs, the closer the times get, because those Porsche Carrera Cup cars, they don't turn as well, right? They don't have the aero package, but they do have the flat out speed. And when you look at a track like Interlagos, on its surface, you're thinking this is a highly technical, highly aero driven track. But again, given the straights between 12, 13, and 1, and then the straights between 3 and 4, it's a fast-running track. Really, the only time that it's technical is between 6 and 11, which is where it's kind of doubling back on itself. So it makes sense, but just visually, like a bird's-eye view of the track, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like how it runs. We'll go into the previous Ooh, last two rates. Real quick. Go ahead. Fun fact before you get into fun facts in a second. Valtteri Botas has had two fastest laps in a row now. 
he also had the fastest lap in Mexico. I've actually, yeah, I feel like I've said his name quite a few times this season. It's amazing to me how much speed Valtteri is able to get out of that Mercedes when he was there, especially considering the fact that he's got the highest ever reached speed in a Formula One car in Mexico in uh, in that Mercedes. And now he's kicking tires at Alfa Romeo. Jeez. Okay, we'll touch on the previous uh, two times that we've been here to brazil 2021 we had an awesome battle that was max and lewis's driver's championship battle season uh the battle between them man it was amazing about 25 laps to the end both of them had finally got done pitting lewis comes out he stretched out his tires as long as he could then goes out to the hards and it's a chased for the win here and it was awesome because man lewis would get right up on max and max would shove him way off the track Christian Horner would go to the FIA director, uh, Michael Massey at the time, and he would go, it's just racing. It's just letting them race. It's <laughs> They're just out there racing. And, you know, Total Wolf is over there going crazy because Lewis goes flying off the track. But it's not just Lewis. Max also goes flying off of this track. So you know he straightened out that steering wheel. You know he forced Lewis off because he went off. Regardless, though, Lewis get the job done. We got Lewis in first, Max in second, Bottas in third, and Sergio Perez with a massive gap on the fifth place Ferrari pits for the fastest lap. Love to see it. In 2022, this tra- this one had a lot of action and not necessarily action in the sense of battling per se, but just it feels like anything that could have gone wrong went wrong. First of all, I'll start with this. K-Mag got pole in qualifying after he got, was the only person to get a decent lap in before it started raining. Everybody switched to enters. I've ever seen Jeremiah happier than the day K-Mag set on pole. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen K-Mag happier. He got in the garage and he stood on his car. He's like, <laughs> fast forward 24-ish hours. Yeah, well, it was a sprint race, first of all. And the sprint race, obviously, he's not going to keep that pole position. He falls down to seventh. So to start the actual race, he's in sixth or seventh. I believe it was seventh. Um, During this race, Daniel Ricciardo gets right up on the back of him, hits that back tire. He spins out, out of the race. I was devastated. It was the first lap. Devastated. (laughs) So this causes a safety car and then it's eventually a restart. So they go back and do the, do, do the standing restart that didn't last very long. As we see Max fighting with Lewis up at the front, those two end up colliding as Max tries to go to the outside around one of the turns, not enough room. Lewis doesn't leave him any room whatsoever. Those two collide. Max falls to the back, has to pit for a new wing. And now he is making his climb back up to the top, which he does get pretty far. We'll talk about that here in a second. Shortly after that, Lando and Leclerc going at it up top. Leclerc or Lando gets right up on the back tire of Leclerc, causing Leclerc whoop spin right off the track. That's rough. So it's just utter mayhem as cars are just flying into each other at this point. We'll fast forward here. Max starts to catch up to Sergio Perez. He's got some great speed, and they want him to see if he can make a run at the car in front of Checo. So they give Checo the team orders. Max slides in front with with one exception and that is if he's not able to catch the car in front then they will make the switch back to help uh checo with the second place in the standing since max already had this thing locked away 
that didn't go as we thought it would. As you heard us talking about in the intro, this is the infamous Verstappen ignoring team order scene where he's told countless times to let Checo through. And he's like, no, I have my reasons. I told you not to ask this of me again. And I'm like, and then you hear Checo uh, where he talks about, we see who he really is or whatever he said. It's just a very rough tension over in Red Bull. So I don't know if we want to get into this because this was last year, but remember that the speculation at the time and Max's reasons was because in Monaco last year, Sergio Perez crashed, caused a red flag, and it made Verstappen um, stuck in his grid spot. He couldn't move up, couldn't get pole wherever he was. I can't remember exactly where he qualified, but he was basically saying, hey, that race that happened 12 weeks ago, I'm still upset. So, no, I'm going to win. <laughs> Regardless, that was one of the only races that season that Max didn't win as Russell, Hamilton, and Sainz filled out your podium. Max was not able to get onto that podium spot, but he fought valiantly at the end there. That's all I got for you for the 2021 and 2022 Sao Paulo Grand Prix. Okay, I want to do a couple fa- uh, fun facts, and then I've got some what's at stake information for this year. Fun facts, your boy, Elaine Prost, six-time winner of the Brazilian or Sao Paulo Grand Prix. He had quite a run back in the day. This track is historic for a lot of reasons. One, it's you know an older one on the, on the schedule. Um, there's been a number of epic battles there. You've had uh, a lot of people reporting that it's one of the best track, track lights in F1, all that. But considering its place in the F1 calendar, You've had five different drivers clinch the World Drivers Championship here. Well, I'll say five different drivers, five different times, because Mr. Fernando Alonso clinched in Brazil twice, Jeez. followed by Kimi Raikkonen, Sir Lewis Hamilton, and Jensen Button, all clinched in Brazil. Wow. And, you know, I think that goes to show, obviously, as we get um, into today's era of F1, the drivers are clinching it earlier and earlier, especially with it being Max Verstappen, where he got it three or four weeks ago. Um, but then sometimes you'll have the years like 2021 where there are two or three drivers in a fight and it literally goes down to the last race of the year. The problem with Brazil now is that it's not even the penultimate race anymore because now we've got the Las Vegas Grand Prix. So I feel like it might be a while before we see a driver clinch in Brazil. There's got to be a special set of circumstances for there to be a really good driver, but not as dominant as Verstappen. And there also can't be a dog fight to the end of the season. So it's kind of that weird middle ground of where you can win. Right. I will Ooh, say good. I will say one thing that I found really awesome about this track when we were doing research is not only did Alan Prost win this six times in a row or not in a row, but six times outright. The next driver down, the next two drivers down, uh only won four, but the Brazilians actually do pretty good around this track. Emerson Fildipaldi won this in 73 and 74. Nelson PK won this in 83 and 86. Ayrton Senna won this in 91 and 93. Felipe Massa won this in 06 and 08. That's pretty dang good for one nationality around a track. It's pretty good. <laughs> so similar to the 1984 Dallas Grand Prix, which was a disaster and the drivers wanted to not do it and they hated it. Back in the 70s and 80s, Interlagos had a reputation for being extremely bumpy, as one reporter stated, appallingly bumpy. (laughs) Uh, And this was at a time when the ground effects on the cars were really serious, so they were getting pulled in the ground a lot, and it was tearing up a lot of stuff they couldn't drive, basically. 
1980 was the last year um, in that era that they raced at Interlagos before a lot of changes were made. And 1980 was almost canceled because the drivers protested and said, we don't want to race on this track anymore. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, fast forward a few years. Ayrton Senna was actually one of the inspirations for bringing the track back to its F1 prominence because obviously Brazilian. And so um, I'm just kind of happy how that all played out. They listened to the driver's concerns. They fixed the track. It's now one of the best tracks on the F1 calendar. And it's a, it's a mainstay, which is super cool. Do you have anything else before we get into predictions? I do. Before we talk predictions, let's look at what's at stake. And this is going to be highly mathematical and not reasonable or logical. So bear with me for a second. So in other words, take Max out of the equation entirely. Yes, because he's probably going to win the next three races. So there's three races remaining. We have Sao Paulo, we have Vegas, and we have Abu Dhabi, right? So if my math is correct, for an individual driver, there's 86 points up for grab. You have the sprint race this weekend in Sao Paulo, plus the regular race. That's 26 and 8. And then you have two more races at 26 apiece if a driver wins and gets the fastest lap. So those are a lot of caveats that you have to win everything and get the fastest lap and everything, which is probably going to be Max Verstappen. But doing that math, that means that anyone over 154 points right now in the driver standings has a shot at second place, considering Max has already won, which means in contention for second place, Sergio Perez, Lewis Hamilton, Carlos Sainz, Fernando Alonso, uh, Lando Norris, and Charles Leclerc. Wow. Two through seven are all in contention. The first place person out of contention is George Russell in eighth. Mr. Consistency. <laughs> yeah, is at eight with 151 points and one podium. Super consistent. Oh, no. Let's flip over to the constructors. Constructors, I figure there's 150 points available. You have the 86 from the person that's getting first and fastest lap in every race, <laughs> and then you have second place in everything. Uh, so anybody that is uh, over 371 points is contention. Or sorry, anybody that's over 221 points is contention which means you have Aston Martin, McLaren, Ferrari, and Mercedes all vying for that second place spot. And we're going to see the rise of Aston Martin in these last three weeks. And we're going to see Mercedes and Ferrari and McLaren not score a single point. Right. (laughs) Because that's what has to happen. (laughs) So again, the math is there, but realistically... Verstappen and Red Bull are going to run away with this thing. Oh, yeah. Uh, Mercedes is very likely to hold that second place constructor spot. I I don't see Ferrari stealing enough points and Mercedes not getting enough points to make that a difference. I think the real battle is going to be second place in the drivers because you've got Sergio Perez at 240, Lewis Hamilton at 220. I don't think Signs at 183 or Alonso at 183 are in contention. I think this is a Lewis Hamilton push to get 20 points over Perez. Which in three races, he could do. Yeah, absolutely. Considering Perez hasn't been where he needs to be to finish out these races, so it's possible. Okay, let's get into predictions. You or me first. Uh, I believe it's your turn to go first, sir. Okay. Winner. Uh, You know what? Let's start in the three spot. He's been on the rise recently. He's He's been a gamer. Charles Leclerc. In the three spot. Okay, Ferrari's been a little bit better, right? The past couple weeks, they're not winning, they're not dominant, but they've been consistently 
in the mix. They were fast at Monza and fast at Mexico City. And this is another fast track. Uh, so give me Charles Leclerc. It's a three spot, man. <laughs> give me Charles Leclerc. <laughs> in the number two spot, give me Sir Lewis Hamilton. I think he's having a fantastic back half, back half of his 2023. Obviously, the past couple of weeks, I've been putting the McLarens in the two and three spot and kind of mixing them around with Lewis Hamilton. McLaren's losing me a little bit right now. They're, I don't know why, but I feel like Lewis is just that he's on his a game right now. Right. And that that's a difference. And then obviously in the one spot, give me max for Stappen. Okay. What do you got? I'm going to go with the one spot first. Give me max for Stappen so that we can get out of that because now we can talk about the actual two that matter. Give me, you put Lewis at second. Yeah. Give me Lando Norris in the second spot. I think we see a return of McLaren back to the top. They've been struggling these past couple races here and there just a little bit, but we saw insane pace from Lando Norris at the end of that race in Mexico City. He was really pushing to get up to the top. Give me Lewis Hamilton in that third spot. Rightfully so. Like you said, he's been doing amazing in this back half of the season. He's been... Mercedes has been bringing it to McLaren. And so I really think that that's interchangeable. I think it could be a Lewis Norris or a Norris Lewis situation, but I'm going to put Norris in that second spot. Okay. And, and again, to the Hamilton thing, he is in a fight for second place. I'm sure there's big financial ramifications with that. <laughs> so he's going to be doing everything that he can to get 20 points positive on Sergio Perez. And a second or third place finish on the podium is a huge win. Cause I, I don't think we're going to see Sergio on the podium the rest of the year. <laughs> I think in terms of pure pace from a driver, I think Lewis, obviously in my opinion, still has the edge over Lando Norris, rightfully so. He's one of a kind. You know, he's one of those upper echelon drivers. But I think that McLaren still has a little bit more pace than that Mercedes. So the only reason Lewis has really been able to take off up in the second spot is just because of his pace as a driver alone. Okay, so just to recap, I went uh, Verstappen, Hamilton, Charles Leclerc, Jeremiah. I'm going Verstappen, Norris, and Sir Lewis Hamilton. Okay. So last thing that we like to look at is what do we expect out of the race? These are just the generic race observations. You know, maybe we'll see a team do well. Maybe we'll see somebody do poorly. I'll be honest. I just had to check the weather because... I think Sao Paulo gives us some of the best racing action, but it's also a little bit wet, usually a little bit drizzly. Uh, and I don't see any rain this weekend. So it might be a dry Sao Paulo Grand Prix. Okay. So what do you expect to see? I think it's just going to be a really good race. The The benefit of not having the rain at Sao Paulo. So what the rain does again, this track super curvy in that middle section, right? It's so like the whole middle third of the track is curvy. You'll have drivers slide off into the grass and it's like a grass dirt mud runoff. And once they get back on the track, the track gets super slippery. You see messy racing when it gets wet in South Pali. You see a lot of people spinning. You see a lot of diving in the dirt and the grass. You see um, a lot of spinning out, right? So a driver will get on their, their gas a little bit too quick coming out of a turn. It's exciting, right? Cause there's, crashes there's action there's bumping there's collisions it's fun but it's not pure clean racing when you have a dry sao paulo you get pure clean f1 racing awesomeness okay for my predictions give me give me ricardo back in the points again 
I'm going to keep saying that because he's my man, my dog. He got points in this last race. I want to see him hold form. I want to see him keep going with this streak so that it can be a clear deficit, obvious, obvious point that he should be in that second Red Bull seat. Mainly just so I can have bragging rights over you because you're so against this happening and I'm telling you, it's coming. I like Daniel Ricciardo. Don't get me wrong. I just... I know Sergio's probably not the guy. He's going to be the guy through next year. We're pretty sure of that. I think they've got to go young. And I think that's the Christian Horner mindset. If not Daniel, give me Lando. I'm rooting for Daniel, but I would like to see Lando. Now, with the rise of the Alpha Taris, because Ricardo got seventh in Mexico, right? And Yuki got 12th. And Yuki was battling for a while with some contenders. Some contenders. He could have been in the points if he didn't boot himself off the track fighting against Oscar Piastri. Yeah. Do you see a double points finish for the Alpha Tari team? That's tough because historically we have seen Yuki still just be that smidgen faster than Daniel Ricardo. So if I am going to put Daniel Ricardo in the points, I should put Yuki in there. But at the same time, Yuki has not been consistent in terms of staying on the track for these past few races. So for that, that factor alone, I'm going to go no. I'm going to go no as well, solely because every time Yuki has a good race, he follows it up with like six bad ones. I don't know if I'd consider last race a good race. He went from points to out of the points. He was dogfighting for a position in the points, and I think that's all you can ask of the guy. Now, did he turn in early and mess his chance up? Yes. But again, when you're fighting for those last three point spots, it doesn't matter. You've got to go for it, right? And he had to take an engine penalty. Yeah, there's no sense in, in, in giving the spot to the guy for clean racing when you have a chance to take it. So a lot of credit to Yuki Tsunoda. Okay, let us know in the comments who you think your podium, your top three, is going to be this weekend in Interlagos, the Sao Paulo Grand Prix. Guys, if you think Zhou Guan Yu is the next greatest F1 driver of all time and he deserves that number one Red Bull spot, forget about Max Verstappen. I think I'd agree with you. All right, guys, we'll see you. Bye, guys.